Welcome to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. Each episode, your hosts bring you news, views, and abuse from America's professional rugby union, along with all the latest on the USA national team. Now, with all that said, let's get on with the show. I'm Aaron Castro. You can find me at the Trobro on Twitter, and I am joined, as always, uh, sometimes. I, I think we're always sometimes at this point, but we are giving you a show every week, which is great, uh, by Craig Ridelli. You can find him at MMFlyHalf uh, on Twitter as well. Um, so how is your week, Craig? It's pretty good. Pretty good. The weather is getting nice here in the East Coast. Uh, so, you know, been, been spending some time outdoors uh, with the kids uh, and, you know, it was an exciting week of uh, rugby last weekend that I enjoyed watching. Got to, you know, wa- I watched a little more of it live than I have been able to recently. So that was fun. Uh, and looking forward to this weekend. How was your weekend, Aaron? Uh, you know, it, it, it was it was busy is what it was. Um, it was nice. I got a 90-minute cycle session outside. And I, as I texted our group chat, I said – um, that's never happening for the rest of summer because it is finally for, for longer. If you try to go for me, if you try to go cycling for longer than an hour, you're kind of screwed. Uh, it is, it is that hot here now? Um, so which kind of sucks, uh, in a lot of sense, but it is what it is. And, and we move forward and that's why I have a bike trainer to do all of that stuff. Uh, Not a Peloton now. No, no, not a Peloton. Um, I, I would prefer if we're going to get um, endurance equipment for the indoors to be a sponsor. Uh, it, it needs to be uh, Wahoo Fitness and Zwift. Those would be the, the primary partners that we would be looking at. Oh, well, you know, now we're joined by Poacher Rugby. I didn't even see him. Um, I was in the midst of trying to do some social shares. Speaking of, you two, go share this video in some groups. Thank yeah, you. Absolutely. Nice haircut, by the way. Thank yeah, you. I think Liam was late because he was shaving for the first time <laughs> the 2019 season. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, unfortunately, there's uh, there's some fires going on up here at Tahoe. little too close for comfort to my apartment at the moment, but uh, yeah, the, the boulevard was totally packed with people. Uh, so getting from getting from the grocery store to here was a total nightmare. You know, it's it's uh, for those that do believe in God. I, being from a Californian, I always felt because the state is always on fire every yeah. summer. It is always on fire. It doesn't matter. Um, it is that way. It is God's way of cleansing us of our sins by burning down our forests. Yeah, that's probably a horrible way to put it, but. Growing up, I, yeah. Growing up, I literally would watch the foothills behind my house basically burn every other year. So, th- take that for what you will. Uh, you know, life growing up in Southern California. So I did. I was. I think. Yeah, it was the Wall Street Journal article this last week. The drought in California is still crazy. There was pictures of a lake that you know used to be always full and the marina was dried out like the boats had been pulled out and the marina itself like the dock was on the lake bed and i was like that 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 sucks yeah so we're, we're kind of lucky up here in tahoe at the moment just because of lake tahoe uh we don't face a lot of the water shortages that the rest of the state is currently facing that aaron mentioned uh however because of the uh that the high elevation and the dry climate um and the wind the wind right now is going crazy um, so it's made life difficult for the firefighters who are currently working really hard to uh, uh, to, to get the stuff under control. But yeah, it, it, it's really it, it's weird because you know coming from Massachusetts, um, you know that this was not a thing. Vermont, it was always something that people were careful about, um, but it was never something that came to you know an out of con- out of control scenario. Meanwhile, here in California, people are just like, we, we can't have our, uh, at the restaurant that I'm currently working at, we can't have our gas fireplaces out on our all-concrete patio because of the red flag warning. Uh, so That makes no did, sense because I, watch that, I watched that Angelina Jolie movie with the forest fires that came out a couple weeks ago. Not bad. There's an Angelina Jolie movie with 
forest yeah, fires. Yeah, come right to TV now. It's a brave new Yeah, world. we have, uh, you know, we've, it's been pretty dry here in Arizona last year. I think every single night in the summer of 2020, it was a no burn day. I think the first time that there was like burn days was like in December. Um, and it, there hasn't been a burn day in ages, but we haven't had rain in ages, so there's that. Um, you know, like we're, we're hoping that we get some rain either tonight uh, or tomorrow, and that would definitely be a really big help. But at the same time, it's California, so I'm not holding out too much hope for any kind of precipitation. Speaking speaking of minimal hope, uh, looks like it's a burn day for the Bruins. Uh, down three goals here to the Islanders uh, in an elimination game. <laughs> um, I mean, uh, what's hockey? The I don't know. What hockey you to be on skates. Yotes don't exist out here. They suck. So I don't follow this. But the Suns, which we're going to watch that game, um, play the Nuggets in Game Two later tonight. Um, we're going to beat them. Beat them bumps. Oh, did anyone? So, so speaking of, before we get to rugby union and the world in union, which is now like a. Um, a song that gets played after some type of American song, usually like Sweet Caroline or Old Country Roads at halftime. Then they play the uh, the World in Union song um, for during the halftime because we don't get the BT Sports uh, halftime shows if you're a subscriber to the Peacock. So you just you just get the live. I see the halftime. Everyone just lies there quietly in the stands. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because they never. There's never a halftime show. It's like halftime, ever. So uh, there's that. Um, North American Rugby League, a league that never started. I, I think. I wonder if that competition was less of a figment of someone's imagination than the Super League was. Um, but in the Super League, someone getting fined. Um, the sports business, if you saw it today, the top six clubs in the EPL are paying $31 million in a negotiated resolution to the Premier League and also agreed to a $25 million per club automatic fine and 30-point deduction if they ever try to break away again, which, I mean, that's not relegation points. But that basically takes you out of, I think, Champions League territory at qualification if you ever do that again. So, I, uh, but so, I mean, like, obviously, the main difference between the NARL and the Champions League, though, uh, <laughs> the, the NARL is still considering um, a, a 2022 season that would be yeah, running, no, they're not. Uh, that will be running they're within not. the spring. They're um, not. They're yeah. not. Let's just let's just. Uh, I'm just gonna put it out here that a. I don't know. Like they paid for a video and they paid for a guy to talk for a couple months, but then whoever supposedly was their private equity partner in the UK stopped talking to them. And then their sponsorship people, well, their first sponsorship people quit. Then their second sponsorship people were like, we don't have paychecks. We're gone. And then people, they're like saying they're they're canceling the West Conference because they couldn't get workman's comp and they couldn't get other in- liability insurance. This is what I got to say. Uh, I'm not saying it's easy, but it's very easy if you have one thing. What is that one thing? Aaron Castro. Well, there's that. Um, so you, you, you call up the, the um, wholesale insurance guy who does – non-personal insurance, big, big major company, uh, insurance sales. And you'd be like, dude, I need workman's comp for, uh, you know, 150 rugby players. What is the rate? Here's the rate. More than you can freaking afford it as a startup organization. I mean, I mean, MLR afforded it. Right. So the, and the thing, the, the thing that was interesting about this league is they said that the budget per team, the budget, was going to be just 300k. And so that means like I, I don't understand how you call the players professional because your wages maybe 75k across per like total across 30 dudes. That's not that's like uh that's Nyack or that's that, Nyack or old blue money. That, that, that's like <laughs> a summer that's like a summer job when you're 18 in college. Yeah, that's, that's what that is. So like and, and here's the thing the Workman's comp rates for professional athletics are higher than the 
normal um, highest workman's comp rates. The highest workman's comp rate um, in the country is construction, and that's 20 cents on the dollar. So the NFL's workman's comp rate is like 75 cents on the dollar. Some This is a ballpark. Team Each team is different because each state is different, but it is, it is very high. Why? Because they have catastrophic injuries all the time. So if you're saying you couldn't get the insurance, it's because you didn't have the money to pay the insurance. Whereas MLR did, and, MLR, and we have an actual league because it even pro, even pro paid for workman's comp. So think about that. It, it might have taken them a while. It might have <laughs> taken them a, a little bit. Just the workman's comp. Hey, man, we're still hey, waiting on true. season two. That is true. He did pay the insurance company. He, I'm fairly certain that there are tons of claims that were awarded in the New York Small Claims Court that people are still waiting to collect. <laughs> Dude, I'm pretty sure Doug is on an island in South America right now. So, so, so there, so, so, Nor- so the no- North American Rugby League, a league that was never going to be a thing, um, is done. They're saying that they're going to try and come back next year. I, I yeah, w- w- with a season that runs concurrent to MLR, so good freaking luck. Yeah, I have I have fun with that. Um, not not to say that I don't like rugby league. Like, at a, done well, I, I like rugby league, the sport. I recorded State of Origin today. I think, uh, it, hopefully, it works because it was. I found it. I pressed record on YouTube TV, but I don't know if I actually get Fox Soccer Plus. So. Maybe, maybe I recorded it. Maybe I didn't. Um, but uh, moving on to round 12, uh, Austin 28, Houston 9. Liam. Yeah, so the Texas Cup has officially been decided for the year, and lo and behold, the Houston Sabercats did not come away with it. Uh, when, when you look at Unsurprising. the Unsurprising. Yeah, uh, uh, unsurprising. Um, again, I've been saying this all Sorry. season. Uh, great, great pieces in terms of the chess set that they have down there in, in Houston, but in terms of how they come together, just, uh, just, just not fruitful, I guess. Um, the scoreline, it, it, it's a little bit more favorable to Austin when you just when you just look at the numbers. Uh, but up until uh, I, I believe it was uh, like seven six uh, up till the half. Uh, Sam Windsor score, no surprise here. Sam Windsor scoring every single one of Houston's points, and there was definitely a few. There, there was a few instances where, where Houston showed some life. Um, Sam Windsor obviously had that uh, big line break. Uh, I, although, maybe Lerone White's line break might have been just a little bit more impressive because you literally felt the earth quake beneath your feet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. exactly. Um, but, uh, again, uh, I, I, I've been seeing a, a lot more of a controlled aggression from Austin over the last few weeks in terms of how they've been executing on offense. And I didn't see a whole lot of, um, you know, I, I, I didn't see a whole lot of haste uh, by the Houston team when it came to competing at the breakdown. And I feel like that's where a lot of uh, Austin's uh, third half points, tw- 21 points scored by Austin uh, in the third half, I believe within the last 20 minutes or so. Uh, yeah, even. that game was kind of... It, it was weird. Um, you know, so I, I re I, I rewatched it last night. Then uh, this morning I was watching some of the highlights and stuff like that. And, you know, it, it didn't seem like Austin was exactly, you know, like they, they were definitely putting pressure on Houston, but they weren't coming away with a ton of points. Houston was able to force mistakes. They were able to make a couple of good defensive stands in that regard. And, you know, and, and, and people like Sam Windsor, Sam Windsor was having a great game, both defensively and offensively. I think I, you know, for the last few years, he's one of the, one of the guys who tries to make a lot of things happen by himself. Um, but at the end of the day, like I said, Austin has been playing with this controlled aggression that just put uh, that asked too much of Houston's defense uh, to stop. And I think in those last twenty minutes, when the gas was starting to run out, Austin had just enough, um, you know, of that, you know, had just enough power within like their cruise control setting uh, that they were able to put that put that game away. So. Really unfortunate season for Houston. There's a lot of really, you know, guys to get excited about, um, you know, including uh, guys like Povey, who is one of my favorite players in MLR right now. But for a team that has its own stadium, that has really great facilities, that is, uh, by all accounts, has a great, great Cursed. fan base. Yeah, that has a great fan base that shows out for them. 
so, something is just not right down in Houston. Um, whether or not it's a coaching, they, I mean, they need a coaching change, culture change, put a filter on the water. I, I don't know. It, it, it's, it's really it's weird, Houston, baby. You're going to be drinking. It's dirty really water. weird because earlier on in the season, you had these game-breaking performances by both Paula Bellacana and Veramu Dicky Dicky Lottie um, in losses and in their their scant wins early on. Um, but there's just nothing there. I, I I would like to see, you know, just consistent lineup in the back line, which is something they haven't had. Um, Taylor Howden, man, um, I love you to death. You're an old man. Um, I can't believe you are able to get up and play at this level and still walk the next day. So, um, how do we know he walks the next day? Dude? That's, not <laughs> That's true. That's true. Uh, but yeah, um, Austin, um, good defense. Attack still not there. Um, you know, they're they're really under they're under pressure. We've been seeing such a, a piss poor, excuse my language, attack from Austin for so long now. I felt like this game, you started to see some stirrings of life. Mooneyham is back. Uh, Zinzan Alpatic is back. Who hasn't? You know, I don't even know if he's been injured or what. He has. It, a bunch. I haven't seen a him in weeks when I saw him in the lineup. Uh, so I mean, I think some of those those players are a little more dynamic than what they've been bringing to the table here. So I, you know, it wasn't exactly uh, it wasn't the LA Giltini's attack, but uh, you know, I, I saw at least a tiny bit of inspiration uh, this week that I hadn't seen from Austin in a long time. Yeah. Speaking of speaking of Mooneyham, I would say that Connor Mooneyham has been everything you would expect a number one overall pick in any league to be. Yeah. Uh, he, yeah. He's you know, and I, I like the word that Craig used, dynamic. He's great on offense in terms of in terms of the short window passing. He can take the ball and run with it uh, and run with it as well and be effective. He's great on defense. He was popping up off the ground after making tackles and getting back into that de- uh, defensive line. He is going to be the first real MLR created you know, gold standard of an Eagle uh, within, within the next few years. And I honestly wouldn't be surprised to see him at least get a, uh, you know, get a test spot within the first 20, uh, 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 within the 23, you know, within the next two years. even. Well, I mean, he's, he's in the squad, squad and we have, we basically wing, wing is open. So yeah. we'll prob- I, w- I wouldn't say it's the next two years. I would say it's the next two months thing, whether yeah. he's capped against England or Ireland, it's probably going to be a cap against Canada or you talk um, to Gary at all uh, about him? Uh, no, I have not. I just know that he's in the squad, and you know when they named yeah. the forty, someone was like, um, on Reddit was like, "Well, Connor didn't even know." I was like, "Well, C- Connor knew because like the top sixty guys, um, are on like check-ins on like Eagles Elite Training Squad Zoom calls, like all of them at a time." So like. He knew he probably had a chance, but he probably didn't know. I, I don't know, but he definitely knew when he got selected for, to go to to go on tour. Uh, moving forward, um, Atlanta eight seven New Orleans. Uh, this is an interesting one. I was very. Uh, I wanted to see what um, Atlanta could do. You know, could they be the first team to not fall uh, after uh, their high level game against uh Los Angeles and and they were they were they fell some but they didn't fall enough fall enough to where they would lose now somebody on that team tried to lose them again and it was the scrum half and we'll get to that but basically if you look at the stats and if you actually watch that game um it was another game weirdly where Nola just dominated like crazy they had over 70% possession, and I want to say like over 65% of the territory. And they they were camped out inside, you know, the Atlanta 22, but it didn't matter um, because that defense just it, – it, it they joke with you because they're like, come at me, and they show you some space that isn't there, and you go in there, and you just get hammered with double tackles. Um, and so, and what you see when you look at the stats on the MLR app, and that's what you saw in the game is they just gave up possession because they, I'm not saying they didn't care. Um, their attack, like the Atlanta attack in this game was almost non-existent. Like they were struggling to, to actually generate some go forward ball and some, 
some good attack because at the end of the day, Nola had some good kicking response to them. Sure, um, but at the same they, time, like 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 Nola's attack was also pretty inconsistent. I no, felt like, it, no, it was. I, I, I felt like what I'm going to get to is like if we, to like, get to the like that point. Like Nola has shown this where they have can generate a ton of offense, and then they'll get inside the twenty-two, and their lineout will suck. Their lineout didn't suck here. They give them the ball and a bunch of like knock-ons and turnovers inside the 22 um, in the red zone, and that's on them. And also, well, maybe take the points sometimes because they kicked from they kicked to the corner a bunch, and their mall was trashed. Um, they couldn't get going for as many for as great of like Cam Dolan was in the air. 12 lineouts, two lineout steals, I think like four or five disruptions um, to the point where Atlanta's lineout did not exist. They had five lineout takes and missed eight. Um, awful, awful. Uh, no, but Nola still, like, they scored because Duncan Van Schalkwick was dumb. Like, it, yeah. it was, it was like a you're not coming, you're, you're, you're going to go hang out with the, the sub academy team type mistake for a while they were on their one meter he put his he put both hands on the ball so the ball was out and cam dolan's like i don't know what he's doing but that's mine and he went he went in he got a breakdown steal and he scored and there was some chatter about it hey blah blah i was like that ball was out i mean the river said ball is out like very clearly and not a moment before the play. It was like balls out. Cam Dolan thought about it for five seconds, had a cup of coffee, was like, this guy's really not going to move that ball, huh? And then he just like stepped in. He's like, okay, try. I don't know. You mean you just want to stand here? I'm going to score the try. Uh, so I mean, yeah, because Cam, Cam Dolan's not known for being aggressive at all, you know, when it comes to uh, competing in the breakdown, right? <laughs> yeah. He, he's not known for great reaction or anything like that. Uh, so. <laughs> so, yeah, um, Atlanta, uh, they got themselves up enough um, to uh, get past the the post LA slide. Now the question is, we'll get into the preview against their game this week. Can they can they stay on that high? And I know the the rooster booster who is told that he is going to have his rooster booster card taken if he does not go to the game since it's even on Long Island. I am in Boston this weekend, so uh, I am not going. This would be you're supposed to plan your you're supposed to plan your life around well, your team. Maybe if they schedule. told me the game was going to be in Queens more than two days before the game, then I can plan for that. I, I will tell you that um, it was on the schedule yesterday. Sorry, five days before the game. Check the schedule on Tuesdays. Okay. Um, and. Uh, <laughs> Uh, moving on to DC 34-38. Yeah, so New England just barely got away with this one. Uh, so close to giving up the game-winning try. Uh, Jason Robertson with a great line break, getting tackled uh, at like you know the one or two meter. And I believe um, who was it? Was it Tusatala who who? Who, uh, who who dropped the the would be winning try? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I blame yeah. Robertson. I think it was and, a tough pass to him. Well, Robertson could have no. gotten up. Yes, yeah, like, no. Well, here. So, all right. So, I re I rewatched some of the highlights today. When you watch it, you know he he falls in kind of a sprawled manner where it's kind of awkward. And I think standing up to you know to get himself onto his feet and get his coordination back. I think there there were some free jack players in the area who I think could have held it up, but at the same time, if he gets back up, you at least give your chance to, your your team a chance to compete, you know, right there at the try line door. Uh, and so, but unfortunately, he pops into the Tusatala, and it's it's a catchable pass. I I think if Tusatala had been focused more on catching it rather than you know running in and scoring, then it it, it might have been a totally different story. But uh, yeah, as soon as that dropped, you heard the, the crowd there at, at Union Point uh, totally erupt. Um, overall, I, I think this is one of the better games, um, you know, in a week that saw some of the most lackluster offense. Both teams were attempting to, to test uh, one another out wide, uh, which for DC, we've seen plenty uh, enough, especially when you have a tool like uh, like like Robertson. 
but with the with the free jacks, I feel like we've been, we have seen a lot more of a conservative approach in terms of just utilizing their uh, their big forwards um, to try to gain ground, and then just you know capitalizing inside the twenty two with guys like Dougie Fife and Boyle. But uh, as opposed to previous weeks, where I've been complaining about them not being able to work out of their own territory and get points, they were actually taking some deep shots. Uh, out, out to their back line. We saw Dougie Five score a try for the first time in three weeks, and that's because they were utilizing their fast guys to test that uh, to, to test uh, DC's defensive shift, which they were able to beat pretty consistently. Now, however, DC was coming back with a, with with, uh, with some of the same uh, sorts of strategy. We saw Robertson get not one, not two, but three line breaks uh, in this game. And what 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 is the young lad's name who came in and scored two try for uh, Cassano? Uh, I was so impressed with this kid's performance coming in off the bench in the second half, scoring two tries, uh, one to semi open up the second half. Uh, so I think they have a lot of uh, great t- tools when you uh, when you're missing guys like Mungo Mason and Threaten Palamo who bring that physical elephant uh, <laughs> element, not <laughs> elephant, physical yeah. elephant. Yeah, that 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 the, the when they bring the physical elephant, I'm going to start using that now. Let's get, let's get a, that EOD trademark there. That's the um, villain of Ruck Justice, the physical elephant. <laughs> yeah, the physical elephant versus Ruck Justice. Oh my God, we're just writing this. But uh, but yeah, w- w- when you're missing that physical presence on your team and, and guys like that, especially in terms of leadership, you need to be able to compensate. New England is a very rough team to play. They're very physical, so it's it's kind of a no wonder that they were like, all right, let's let let's see if we can spread this thing around. Now, New England has been notoriously horrible in the set piece thus far this season, in particular in in the lineout. But we've seen them have success in the mall, which we saw them have great success this past week, uh, getting two tries. Billy um, has been totally redeeming himself at the eight man spot. He was able to get. Uh, a cleanup try after a mall collapsed at the two meter line. They were able to force a penalty try off of uh, off of a uh, OGDC um, for uh, you know for an easy seven points. Um, and then of course, Bo- Bodine Waka's defensive pick five by five, you know try five, whatever you want to call it. Um, two easy seven pointers uh, given up by DC. Um, you know on, on stupid mistakes kind of made all the difference. And Waka's try was technically the game winner. Uh, so. A lot of lot, lot of putting the bullet in the own uh, in their own foot for DC, um, but they had a great fan presence uh, from from what I could hear uh, there at Union Point. So that definitely definitely says something about the culture that they're building down there below the Mason Dixon. Uh, but yeah, New England now moves to six and five in the standings. They definitely, I, w- I know I was saying last week that it's totally unrealistic that they're going to be getting uh, the the two seed or definitely not the one seed. I think Atlanta's kind of running away with that, but I think Toronto. Uh, losing uh, this past week um, definitely gave them a little bit of leg up in terms of that fight in the middle of the table. So yeah. uh, I'm not going to say it's unrealistic. Um, yeah, we'll we'll we'll, we'll see where this the, goes. You got the win you need to get, I think. Um, to to put it, um, to give you a shot, because uh, I think that it's going to be Atlanta's game for the one seed, and then it's going to be a fight. Uh, New York travels to you guys, right? So it's going to be uh, Union Point undefeated at home in the four games we played there. You know, Ooh-hoo. hey, I mean, Orno is Orno at uh, home. Okay, the atmosphere was great until the PA announcer um told the last dude told anyone the fact that he told anyone um hey the PA announcer you lost your Boston card and you lost your New England card get on the boat row back to England. Like because what did he tell them? Yeah, like, hold on. I'm a little. No, he told him not. To, he told him. He told him to respect the kicker. Oh. Told him to respect the kicker. Uh, like, why are you bringing that up out here? Hey, we'll bring it up later it. because it was a huge topic today. We incite our FAQ with regards to our. <laughs> like, we are back. Rugby Network. Why? This is the fourth season. It always comes up. Oh, okay. Moving on to the last game of the weekend. Are we now? Um, not the last, last game and stuff. The second to last, San Diego defeats Toronto at home in Atlanta, um, forty to thirty. Uh, when it comes to this game, uh, it was it was just this classic territory battle at first until Toronto sort of found their sea legs. I don't know what's going on with them, but uh, a, a really great classic game for Joe Peterson where he just controls the game with his foot and. Uh, you you see what they do, and he when he 
I wouldn't say is a sixth sense about this, but when um, you sort of get the the idea that the other team's just not going to be able to respond, you just take just take the points. And he took the points several times in the first half, and and they were up and they held the momentum for a while. Uh, when it comes to their attack, it was kind of simple, some one three three one, uh, ten man style rugby. They weren't very expansive in this one. Uh, used a lot of power balling from Tion Lutz. Uh, and um, it was nice to have Santiago Iglesias back. He's um, he played ten for them for a little bit. It, it it looked good one game and then looked awful the other. And I think that was just the fact that um, they never had a consistent scrum half fly half pairing. Um, lost Nate Augsburger for the year, and then they had uh, Patrick Madden, who they're converting to scrum half, but was an All American at fly half and all sorts of weird stuff there. But um, then Toronto came on at the end of the first half and they just started to fly and they started to respond. You had walking into the second half in walking to who basically just um, responded when it came to the possession game and they played territory back and forced San Diego to make some mistakes and that allowed them to generate a bunch of offense Um but, uh, you know, they lost a few players in this game. Like, if you want to add insult to injury, they're, they're – I mean, they came out of the game, so we'll see. But uh, they're, they're pretty banged up. And then Lucas Rumball, their captain, was coming out like the mummy for about 30 minutes because he was just bleeding profusely out of his nose. So there – I think it was his nose because that's why We've all been there, man. Why else would you have the whole Sh- thing? Shove a little dirt into it. Come on. <laughs> you know? But – um. For a moment, they they had the chance to really take over the game. Um, those outside backs, man, the the Uruguayans, Gaston Mirez and Leandro Levas are just uh, they're nuts. Uh, interesting tidbit for you: um, Leandro Levas in his off time is a farrier. Anyone know what a farrier is? I know what a farrier is. Um, a farrier is the person that um, ho- puts horseshoes on your horse. It's actually a very difficult thing to do. He uh, Went to school for agricultural sciences and a second degree in veterinary sciences. Um, so he's a he's a smart dude. And you have he, to like dope up the horse because like how else are you, how are you not? I mean, it's like so. So the I horse, know somebody who died getting kicked. So in the head so where the horse, nails like, go is like not into the foot. Like it goes into their. Well, I forget what it's called, but the on the hoof they have a, a literally their own nail. Right. And it's like thick. It's like some of them, like the Clydesdales and stuff, they're almost like a centimeter thick. So the nail and it, the nail's not, um, nail flat. So it, it doesn't like, doesn't have a chance of breaking the, the shoe and it goes in there and they, they basically don't feel a thing if it's done properly. Um, and, it, and it's great, but yeah. Next week, um, Barriers podcast. <laughs> but yeah, it was, I, I thought it was a really good game. Um, Ethan McVeigh, man. Uh, if, if you want to see a guy, he didn't really come out of nowhere. I sort of had him like on my chart of young prospects, but for some reason I thought he still had another year at Cardiff Met. And I, I asked Joe Peterson this week, um, where were you hiding him? Um, cause apparently he graduated in 2020, um, from Cardiff Metropolitan University. He's a San Diego kid. Um, obviously there is a connection to the Legion. His dad, uh, is actually the Legion stadium announcer. So just, you know, but like where he was hiding, I, I don't know. Um, but he, uh, in a year where Ryan Reese and Michael Baska, you know, put their hands up for the Eagles and got selected. If Ethan McVeigh had, been on that roster from day one, maybe he would have gotten selected um, to go on this tour. He's, he's been playing really well. Um, but yeah, I think Toronto's done. Um, the apocalypse would have to happen um, for them to be a contender. Um, they could hurt somebody else's chances of going to the playoffs, but that's about it. They're basically a I mean, not dog. so much the apocalypse. It's like, I think this thing, man, like, you know, all of New York needs to fall into the sea. And just- it's more like the rapture because all the Toronto players are going to international sides. <laughs> yeah, so, um, but final game of the weekend, Utah 29-28, Craig. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, this going into the weekend, you might have suspected this would be the least interesting uh, contest. And it, it actually, arguably, well, there were some good ones, but this was ended up being a very exciting match, uh, uh, mostly because Seattle, had, you know, came out on fire, playing with an intensity that we haven't seen. You know, a, a physicality, a, a real defensive pressure. And it was giving Utah fits. And it, the weather was, you know, it was bad weather, which which isn't good for Utah. Uh, Utah, you know, plays a, a more loose, you know, a, attacking, riskier type of game. Um, and Seattle was leading pretty much the whole way until, uh, you know, for the second time, I think, I, I can't remember what it was, an old glory match uh, know, three or four weeks ago, uh, where Utah won after the 80th minute once again, uh, they win uh, at the death, needing the conversion. Uh, and um, in this case, uh, I actually really liked the way Utah stuck with this game. I think you look at, it, for example, when they played New England, and you know, obviously that was close as well to the end, but you know, they really just couldn't execute. And, and as it went down to the wire, you know, they kept bungling important plays, chances to win. And I think that's has been somewhat of their Achilles heel all year is, you know, in, in tight spots, high pressure spots, you know, they have a, a lower than you'd want to see, uh, you know, percent chance of executing those. Uh, so I think um, in this case, uh, they had to do two consecutive lineouts, uh, and God knows lineouts are impossible in MLR this year. Uh, but, you know, two attacking lineouts – on the Seattle try line, both times they went to the deep pod. You know, they threw to the far pod. It was difficult to execute. Both times they did it, finally crossed the line, uh, scored the winning try. So Utah does go home with the win, uh, you know, keep, yeah, keeps pace in the standings. Uh, great output from Seattle, though. I think, uh, you know, they're, yeah, Ben Landry in the lineup, I don't know, it's not like he did that much personally, but somehow I feel like his attitude has spread, you know, he's that kind of physical, intimidating, you know, likes to hit people type of mentality. At least that's the way he seems. And that I think seems to have infused a bit into Seattle and in front of their home crowd, you know, they're, they're showing more life than they've shown. So, uh, you know, I, I would be uh, – I feel like the teams that got them early in the season may feel lucky as uh, maybe Seattle towards the end of the year isn't as easy as a win as it has been before. But uh, Utah got the win in this case and, uh, you know, onward in the playoff chase for them. Um, yeah, so getting on to round 13, uh, NOLA will visit D.C. It's a very interesting matchup. NOLA needed to – both teams needed did what they needed to do, really. Um, I think NOLA needed to win because they're spending six – yeah, six games on the road um, to end the season, which sucks because it would have been nice for them to get uh, some more humidity um, towards the end of the season um, for their home field advantage there at the goal, goal line. But – so they're going to go on to a fast track and play um, another attack that, uh, you know, is, is pretty high flying when it's in gear. And, um, but the one thing that new England didn't bring and I mean, that's, uh, that's defense. Uh, it's what they're going to bring. I think um, if, if Nola can figure out how to convert inside the five meter, I think they can win this one. Um, but it, it's a struggle to see, uh, to see which team will win, actually. Um, one team can score a lot. One team can't. One team um, has a great defense. The other, um, the defense is suspect at times. Mungo Mason is supposed to be back. So if he's back, I think I might go with uh, DC. But right now, I would say a push and give it to the visitor. Um Minus one. I'm doing. And and Fanar Schultz also is out one more game, right? He's, he's yep. Not- he's got one more game for his suspension. Yeah. Um I don't know. Uh I'm gonna have to go with Nola minus two uh on this one. Uh I think they're I still think they're what they're one of the more talented teams in MLR, but I just think every season something happens towards the second half where they're just not able to put stuff together, but they still eke out the wins to end with a winning season. 
Um, and I think DC is on the downside right now uh, within the last couple of weeks. Yeah. I mean, I just can't imagine DC's soul isn't been crushed to smithereens after this loss this week. Um, yeah. I think, I also think Jameson Fanon Schultz is a big part of the defensive side of the ball for them. Um, so I, I think, I don't think it's going to be as close as you guys. I'm going to say no by eight. All right. Well, by eight. All right. Um, Toronto at Austin, Greg. Well, uh, you know, Toronto, you know, been struggling lately. They had a couple 50-point wins, and then I don't think they've won since, uh, or they may have won one win since then, but a, a string of losses. Um, you know, Austin needs to keep pace with Utah and the, and, a, and a encroaching San Diego. Uh, so, I mean, they have everything to play for. I don't think that Toronto's attack – is going to be strong enough to crack Austin's defense in the long run. And I, as I mentioned in their recap, I think Austin's attack is coming on a bit. Um, you know, Toronto is another team, you know, old, both Old Glory and Toronto. I think, I feel like their souls have been stolen a little bit at this point in the season. Uh, Toronto must be in just a, a bad mental place, you know, having been essentially knocked out of the playoff chase and now knowing that they're, internationals will be departing soon. So I think Austin's going to win this. They, yeah, they never win by a huge margin just because, you know, they don't score that many points, but uh, I think Austin will control the entire game and I'll say Austin by five. Mm. Mm. Um, I think it's going to be a low scoring game. Um, Austin. Yeah. I think that's a good score line. Um, maybe a little bit. I think I'll go a little bit narrower and go four. Austin by four. I'm going to go Austin by three. I think Austin has more to play for. They're going to have some of that motivation, but uh, you can't put down those tough Canucks, can you? So, no, I, I mean, you're gonna, this is, I mean, this is one of the problems, I think, uh, for any team that faces Toronto going forward. They did get a little bit healthier, but they're also a little bit wounded. But even the players that came in, like Mason Flesh, uh, instead of playing Locke, he played Flanker, was pretty good um, in for his first start at, at Flanker. Uh, I think as a Locke, he's been okay, but his role has been limited in this sense. Like he had to play more. Um, in in general, when it comes to coverage, I thought he did okay. But um, Austin's if Austin didn't come out niggled up last week, maybe they're able to do something more. But yeah, um, moving on to so San Diego at Utah. This is going to be nuts. Um, I it is a it is a must win for both teams. Um, it's going to be high drama. Uh, in in uh, at altitude, and people say you know out it's altitude. John, I know you're going to listen to the show, so um, like I said on Twitter, eight points, eight, eight points, points for Utah. No, 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 not eight points for eight, Utah. Eight I points think, total. I think I think altitude gives you an eight point advantage. I don't I don't know how I came up with that number. But I came up with that number, and that's that's sort of what I think. Because I think, what was it, um, Austin went up there, and people were like, oh, just altitude, huh? And they, they ran shot over Austin. I think altitude definitely has an effect on your fitness. Um, if um, And San Diego has gone through two – they're on their second strength coach for the season and third in, in, two, in two years. So – um, I, I wonder if that's going to have an effect on their fitness. Well, t- take um, it from somebody currently living at above 7,000 feet. Um, it's difficult. It's yeah, difficult so, to go for a run. It's difficult to walk to Waffle Hut, man. Yeah, so they've got, uh, you know, they've got a healthy Joe Peterson. They've got a healthy back line. I think they're coming into form. I think Patty Ryan, he hasn't given you the Patty Ryan games yet, but he's given you – presence and he's given them leadership which is something that their front row didn't really have like they're good players but they're missing like they're young and they're missing that one veteran that they need to just calm them down even though i was looking at the caps for the players um you know i think all of their front rows that have been there for a while have over 30 caps for and i mean mlr caps not other other caps so they're getting experience 
but the issue that they're they are having they had last year is that they didn't have him to learn from, which is um, him being on that front row in 2019 raised the level of the other props around because like you would see games where Nate Sylvia played out of his mind. Um, so, uh, but attack wise, I think you're gonna have you're gonna let the Ferraris out. Um, for for Utah, and you're going to counterattack a lot on the ground. Uh, we'll see if uh, Mikey Teo has to counterattack a lot with his foot. Um, if he has to counterattack a lot with his foot, it's going to be an interesting ball control game. But um, they, I think Utah fixed their lineout um, last week. Uh, they've been very intermittent with their lineout. Uh, the the fix was Bailey Wilson going up. Craig, I thought um, he. Seven we'll line outtakes. Well, yeah, we'll see about that against this team because he's gonna he's gonna go up against Ferno. Who I think Ferno's been so good for San Diego. Ferno, Ferno is uh, everything know. that said about Patty Ryan. I feel like that applies to Ferno too. I think since yeah. he's been back, that pack has just played more mature, has taken a bigger role in you know the attack in general. He just gives you this filthy sort of aggressive swagger in. And not in the way that he did in 2019 where he was just a card machine because he'd make a lot of marginal decisions. Um, but he is just this aggressive dude um, that brings a lot to the table. And you wouldn't – and because, like – I'm not saying I miss him, but because he cut, he cut his hair – <laughs> I, I, he cut his hair. He cut, he cut his hair and he cut his beard. So every time I'm thinking of Ferno, I'm thinking of the dude with hair down to the middle of his back and a big, you know, beard. And I'm just like, is that is that how you think of me? That's how I think. <laughs> every time no. I every time I you couldn't myself. you couldn't grow a mustache to save your life. Um, so <laughs> beard, yes, mustache, no. Do my bust uh, my mustache comes in blonde. But um, <laughs> whatever, yeah, whatever reason. I, I think that applies um, for for Ferno. Uh, I think it's gonna be a high scoring affair. Um, probably like 35, 31, something like that. Uh, so, oh, so, po- so sixty plus points in total. Yeah, four points to Utah is where I'm going. I'm gonna go. Utah minus six, just because of um, high level of offensive dynamicism. Um, but San, San Diego, we 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 were we were you know putting the dirt over their grave a few weeks ago. So definitely yeah. props to them. Yeah, yeah. it's. I think it's. I, I found it amusing that you mentioned John Cullen. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's three weeks ago on Twitter, he made a comment like. San Diego enters the room, you know, of the second place Hunters, you know, so basically saying San Diego's back in the playoff chase. And I got on Twitter. I was like, is it, are they really uh, now, you know, Utah's going to have to answer that call. Is, is San Diego actually back? Uh, you know, Utah will, will now help us determine, um, you know, they, they, San Diego obviously has had a great run of late, uh, but they haven't, I mean, they played NOLA in the East, but they haven't played any of the West playoff contenders during that run. Uh, now they will be. So now we'll, we'll really see where they stand. Uh, I do think Utah plays much better at home. I think uh, San Diego has been on a good run of form, but you know, not against the best quality teams. And, and they, haven't, they haven't been playing so well where I think that uh, – they're necessarily a playoff caliber. They're in playoff caliber form. So I'm going to say Utah as well. I'm going to say Utah by, I'll say by seven. Oh, all right. So you're, you, you have a little less faith in the San Diego Legion than I do, but slightly. We're all pretty, pretty close shot. Have we picked the same team in every game so far? I hate that. I, like yeah. right. I mean, what, what, what games do we have left? I mean, we're going to get some that, different yeah. picks like that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, so for the C- so for Seattle at New England, which I have been tasked with previewing. Yeah, we might have some uh, yeah, dif- that, uh, differing opinions. One. So, uh, kind of like differing. Uh, <laughs> so, kind of like uh, how it's been for a, a few games that we've talked about already. One team has a lot to play for, which is the, a potential playoff spot. Seattle right now is just you know playing to show that they're better that they're better than they've been for the majority of this season. Uh, however, kind of like uh, Craig was saying, they came out with a little bit of fire uh, uh, l- last week and were, were able to put some pressure on Utah. 
however, I think New England has been collectively coming together more and more by the week. I, I like the improvement that they showed in terms of uh, getting the ball out wide uh, versus D.C., which was a big reason as to why they won. Um, not that Tusatala's drop pass uh, didn't help in that regard. But I think we can also count on Seattle to have their own fair share of handling errors to help them out. Um, and I, I don't see the, the building block of New England season so far in terms of their success has been their uh, has been their 22 defense, uh, their defense inside of that red zone. And that's where we've seen uh, Seattle uh, really falter in terms of their discipline, in terms of their execution. So I think this is going to be a really interesting game between the 22s. I think New England's going to make their own fair share of mistakes because uh, Seattle has been playing so aggressively in this latter half of the season. Um, but I think New England is going to be able to force the, uh, force enough mistakes on Seattle to, to uh, do what they do best, which is playing uh, from a short field and being able to strike quickly with guys like Boyle, Dougie Fife. Um, and un- unfortunately, uh, they've had a few injuries in the uh, strong, including Quentin Newcomer. Um, but that shouldn't make too much of an impact, at least offensively. Um, whereas Seattle, has anybody found the technology to de-age Riker Hatting it? Is that available? All right, no. So Seattle doesn't really have a somebody who I would classify as a game-breaking presence. Um, even if they, for the last few weeks, we have seen them you know, play with a little bit more fluidity in terms of the team. Um, Why are we aging Riker Hatting? <laughs> he's only like 26. Yeah, no. How young do he have to be? Yeah, he's not that old. Yeah, uh, it, it seems like. It, I know. I, I think he was like 19 when he played in pro. If you, if you think about this, he was like 19 when he played in pro. Oh, damn. Yeah, yeah, holy crap. I guess. He's, he's just like had that beard since he was like back to high school. He just held, held that beard right, since so he was I, like I guess Riker is I, – I, I mean, so Riker is a, is, is a difference maker on that so team. If, but, if without, Riker, but, without, if, but without people like Seema or anything like if that. If Riker shaves, cuts his beard, it's like seeing Ferno for the first time with like a crew cut and, and a clean shave. You're like, who the hell is that dude? It'd be, like if, it'd, be, it'd be like if Kyle Sikora had shaved off the mullet, which God forbid, I hope never happens. I hope that uh, thing <laughs> lives right, long so after he's where, done. Where um, yeah, so I'm going to go New England minus seven uh, in this game. Right, I have a question for Liam before I do my pick. You're the coach of New England this weekend. Are you starting Boyle or Waka at 10? Oh, oh. I mean, I thought the, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna. I'm, I'm gonna go. Walker. I would have to go with Waka, and well, th- there's no reason why you can't have both of them on the field at the same time. Um, but I'm gonna. I would have to go with Waka just because of the physical, the physical presence. Where, but at the same time, like, I mean, they they both typically are on the field, but usually Waka's fullback, and he has well. So 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 Dougie would have the last fullback. few weeks. Waka's mm-hmm. been at center, and Boyle has been at right. No, no, he no. no he's Boyle been a, has been a Boyle, test. Um, no, Boyle, Boyle's a fly half, and then yeah, he played yeah. last week because I guess he's niggled up. Yeah. Um. And I yeah. thought Waka. Oh, interesting. Interesting thing about Boyle and uh, uh, Johnston is both. Well, Boyle wasn't in consideration, but I guess you know based on what Brian Ray pulled, um, he put in his article. Johnston is apparently hoping to get a. Super rugby contract for next season, so he did not um, elect to be considered. Although he was being considered by Gary Gold, and I'm just like, it's the thought that counts. I was like, bro, um, if you want to be an international player, it's it's not for it's not going to be for New Zealand. You're already at this stage. If you end up in MLR, you'd have to become Joseph Joshua Vithi who um, went from the Sabercats to Pro- Carcassonne in the Pro D2, and then he's on vacation right now, but he's going to I, – I forget which top 14 team it is, but he's he made that jump. Bro, not many uh, player, uh, it's how many players Alan, are making – However the hell you pronounce it. Yeah. Whether, Josh is one of my favorite human beings. Yeah, but he's – so he's – so but if you're like an American-eligible player and you're coming over here – I, I would have thought it would be to put your hand up to play for the Eagles too. Um, and same with like any Canadian eligible player. Um, you saw that with uh, Corey Thomas. Um, he's Canadian eligible. He came over playing for LA. He could have stayed in Japan and uh, you know, he's going on tour. So yeah. um, it's, it's, a, it's professional criticism. We'll call that. 
you know. In any event, um, I thought with Villy at eight and, and Waka at ten, the New England attack, yeah, looked as well, good. Well, Villy at eight was Villy at eight is so much better than Villy at two. I'm just gonna Villa, say Villa that. Eight Thank was, God, was, that's Villa, done. Villy at eight was because there was an injury to Conradi. Um, let's just whatever the reason. They, I think the the attack was working. Uh, not great, but better than I, you know, it was one of their better attack games I recall this year. So I don't it's know what probably, they're playing. It's probably Walker's best kicking game, and he's been atrocious from the tee. So not 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 a great day for Robertson, unfortunately. So he was two for five on that day. So, so, so or no, no, was it two for five or two for six? It was pretty bad. It was pretty uh, hold on, hold on. I have it, it in my notes. Uh, yeah, he was. So yeah, Robertson was two for five. So that's six points left on the on, on the board in a four point game. But yeah, um, so uh, if, if New England sticks with that lineup, which right. I liked, I points, I'm gonna, points, points. Yeah, I'm, move. I'm giving them my points. Okay, uh, Baker. I, I'm going to say uh, New England by eight. I, even if you put Boyle there, um, I think New England takes the home win. Um, I, I wonder it could go either way for Seattle. They could look. Um, as put together as they looked against uh, Utah, or that could have been deflating. Um, and uh, they could get their butt whoops. But I think the home team and the long travel is going to be a pain. Um, and hopefully this week um, people will be allowed to boo the kicker because that's what they do in Seattle. So, yeah. Um, and uh, go with New England, seven points. Minus seven. Or Matt. Um, and now on to uh, Atlanta at New York, Craig. Are you gonna you're gonna tell me the 20, t- 20 ways that New York can lose this game? What I'm gonna How tell you-, you is that New York and Atlanta have played twice in MLR history, both times in Atlanta, both times New York has won. Uh, so I, I'm liking the trend. I, I don't know. Again, I, I said this about Nola, and then they got absolutely shellacked by Nola, but. I don't know for whatever reason it, it seems like New York has matched up well uh, with with Atlanta in the short history of, of their playing each other. Um, obviously, oh my God, Craig, Craig, I'm sorry to interrupt. It's six to two to Islanders. It's over. Yeah, Islanders just advanced. Oh, so. I'm sorry. Go go on. Nope, I'm just gonna nope. I can hear the cheering from NASA Coliseum from here. Yeah, yeah, the uh, you know I think New York has matched up well with Atlanta in the past. Atlanta obviously coming off two big wins in a row now has to travel up to New York. Uh, New York off the bye week. Last time they had a bye earlier in the season, they, they came up with a nice win. Uh, actually, was it, it maybe actually even been Atlanta after the bye that time too? Uh, so I, you know I don't know if Dan Holland's head is going to be back. Um, you know I haven't heard anything about his return. I, I know he was injured pretty seriously. Has um, Benno's been playing all right though? He's playing all right. He's playing all right. I'd still take I'd still take uh, Holland's head back if we could. Uh, but you know, assuming health for the rest of the typical New York players, uh, I'm actually going to take New York in this one. Um, I'm going to say New York by three. Uh, <sighs> I, I I would love to pick against New York, but at the same time, I think they're catching fire at just the right time. So I'm going to go New York by one, just because I'm not going to give them any more. Bigger margin. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm staying on the Scott Lawrence train, man. Um, it's uh, after after that game against New Orleans. Now, the question I have though is not the emotional toll, but there's a toll of you know making 400 tackles in two weeks. That's that's really the. Is there a confidence toll on their lineout? I mean, I mean, the issue. I mean, the New York lineup ain't the greatest either. Even though you have the twin towers, you know, it's been better. It's been better since we got Savetta. Um, but since they got Savetta, and if Momsen goes up in the air, he 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 can steal some ball. Um, but I don't know. It's a it's a tough one. Um, it's going to be a battle. I wonder if New York can bring that same defensive intensity that they did against uh, LA, it's not the same, but it's all about playing in the field and ball control. And you're going to have guys like, you know, Adrian Carolsa and the differences, your fullbacks are different unless, you know, Foden can kick. 
but he's not a huge kicker when it comes to ball control. We haven't really seen that from Harry Bennett, but we did see that a couple of weeks ago from Andy Ellis, not only as a, a box kicking type um scrum half, but also as a, you know, punter down the field type and, you know, for just pure, get it in the, just get it to bounce before the 22. And you just. Mm. had a massive kick from hand against LA. And that thing went two miles. Yeah. Vandemurva. Uh, I am. Yeah. I'm going to say Atlanta away two points. There you go. Not right, we, we, we finally disagree on a on a on a score. Um, on a round winner. Liam, Houston out of LA. All right. You guys might be a little surprised on my prediction from this one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I'm, not even, I'm not even sure what needs to be what, what needs to be said. I, this is going to be like this is going to be like England playing a tier three nation. I, I think um, there's going to be some LA guys who are maybe getting some rest just to make sure they're healthy for the, uh, for, for the playoffs. Um, what I'm predicting is I think Houston will give us some really entertaining moments. I think that they're pretty, pretty consistent in giving their fans and people watching that every single week. Uh, you know, whether it was like Sam Windsor getting the line break, um, there's definitely been some, better defensive moments. I think that Houston's a scrappy enough team that they're going to frustrate LA. Uh, but I think the LA attack is just too efficient. I, I'm seeing a blowout in this one. So I'm going to go LA by 21. My, my prediction is the Mr. T pain gift from Rocky three. Uh, and that equates to LA by 25. Uh, it's I, Houston. Do it. I th- no, I picked Houston last week. I, I have PTSD from that. <laughs> that's not to say like mental health fitness in, in May. Generally, I don't have PTSD from the army, but I was hit by a car cycling. So I, I understand people's anxiety and all that stuff. Just chill out. Don't, don't at me. Um, <laughs> 25 is a good number. I, I want to go by – I, I want to go 28, man. Maybe I'll even higher. 28, and I'll race you to 31. <laughs> okay, so I'm at 28. Craig's hey, at 31. You can, you can raise all you want, but it's not until Super Brew where we show where you got the balls. Yeah. Okay? I'm, I'm going to give you 25. But. So 28 points. I Yeah, I, I, I think that um, the Houston reminds me of – Austin in 2019, all those weeks I picked Austin because they were like improving in game but still losing. Um, that's where Houston was. And then they played Austin. And they were they were a dead fish in the middle of the driveway. Remember when Houston won the first game of the year against yeah, it was, oh, it was people were like, oh here comes Houston. It's the year. With Jin Ho Mun as like the scrum half. So Houston's wins this year. So they beat Seattle, which I guess isn't that impressive. They've also beat San Diego. That so, was that was slightly impressive. If so, hey, if Austin makes the playoffs this season, does that make Houston the Browns of MLR? Uh, yeah, I think yeah. they're the Browns of MLR. <laughs> Austin was good season one too, or at least they were decent. Yeah, they were they were semi okay in in season one. They weren't a playoff team, but they weren't last place. That was Houston. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bring but, back uh, Everett. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I don't get like what's going on in Houston. They have a full staff. They have good support structures. They have a good team, um, and it's just not working. And I couldn't. I I don't know what I, I don't know what the ingredients are to fix it. Um, maybe it's, um, you know, putting everyone inside a, uh, maybe it's building apartments like right next to the stadium and, you know, never letting them out again. I, I don't know. They got to change the name at this point. The old, oh, um, the maybe it's like, so, so did you guys see the, so, um, Houston crawfish, Diego Mono and Nicholas Solvera are, uh, they're selling their own line of grills, which apparently, which 
They're expensive. They are Gucci AF. I need to get one. Um, it's a good industry in Houston, man. They do love their barbecue. And, and uh, CJ Stander is apparently selling his own line of fire pits. And <laughs> one of the idiots in his group with um, RG Snyman, CJ Stander, just, instead of throwing like log onto the fire, um, he decided to pour gasoline onto the fire. Idiot. Um, and uh, got third degree burns on his hand or something like that. All I know is, Hey guys, if you're going to be on the, around the bry, um, don't burn your hands. Otherwise you got to go back to school. Bry school. <laughs> That's a bad, that was a bad tweet on Twitter. I put up, but um, yeah, uh, we kept it tight this week. Uh, um, yeah. So we have questions of them. People we did not get questions this week. Showing up. Oh, yeah, guys, oh, what no, the we, hell? We did get questions. We did get questions. Official answer uh, from uh, just just to put it out there um, from the big guy, I think, or maybe it was even Dan Brown. I don't know how many people run that Twitter account. I just know that there's six, or at one point there were six for Earful of Dirt. Maybe it's just me and Corey now, but. Um, but Rooney fans asks, um, you know, it's like, will Craig ever show up to a game this season? Oh, no. he, he, he put your freaking rooster booster card on the line. I'll be there. I'll be there. Just going to Cochran instead of St. John's. Well, it'd be great if they play more at St. John's. Let me know. Um, you know, I, I have a Tesla. That's a far drive for a Tesla there. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You have a Tesla? Yeah. yeah. What? How dare you? I get that, that, get that truck get, get that truck back. I basically have four doors on top of four wheels that I'm just pop, 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 around Lake Tahoe <laughs> right now. I, I, I can't drive to LA. I can't even drive up to the mountain with this thing. I drive back and forth to the grocery store and my girlfriend. That's exactly. Pretty pretty much it. Well, you're young, Poach. Give yourself yeah. a decade. Just get plus. a bike. Just get a bike, man. You can yeah. get in real good shape. So yeah, um, that is this week's episode. You can find me at the Strobro, Craig and Jelly at MM Fly Half, and Poacher at Poacher Rugby. And follow us on Twitter at You're Full of Dirt. Uh, on every single social known to man except um TikTok because I don't got time for that. We're, no. we're also we're we're also on Friendster and my. I'm also like a curmudgeon, so like TikTok just. Oh, a great TikToker though in in rugby is Ilona Maher. She is legit. So if you want to support um, the Eagles, um, go follow her on. I also I, I, TikTok, I, I still said you. Um, oh, how, okay. So how I know that is um, she puts them on Instagram on Reels. Um, and you see the TikTok icon um, when you download the. I guess when you download the video, the TikTok icon is there, um, so you know it's the, the TikTok. I'm, I'm sorry. Um, if you've listened to the whole show, thank you very much, um, and we'll see you uh, next week. And you can go ahead and give us some abuse on at Earful Dirt on Twitter. So cool. Later. Thanks for listening to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby podcast. Connect with your hosts via Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Earful of Dirt. Visit our website at earfulofdirt.com or email us your thoughts and questions to earfulofdirt at gmail.com. Please note, Aaron Castro is employed by Major League Rugby. His opinions are his own.